hard. Season four, episode 11 of, uh, of the One Hope Bible Reading Podcast. And we're doing the book of Zechariah, uh, second to last of the Minor Prophets. I think next week is Malachi. No. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Malachi. Yeah. Um, and so we're doing Zechariah this week. Zechariah, we, uh, you know, while I was gone, you guys did um, Haggai last week. There's there's a lot of overlap between uh, Haggai and Zechariah because they're they're essentially contemporaries speaking to the same audience. But um, and then I was the one uh, preaching on on Sunday, so per usual. I just ignore the book that I'm, and I talk about what I want to talk about. <laughs> um, but uh, the the message, which I I know well, because I had to prepare for it, was uh, was on identity and and on um, kind of I, I identifying as as people of God as opposed to other things. It's not those that those other things don't count, um, but you know. I think they they at least need to be secondary. So um, anyway, um, readings this week. Uh, any thoughts? I guess we'll just kind of jump in. This, we're going to keep this pretty pretty unstructured this week, and um, and I just want to kind of hear your thoughts. And really, we can go anywhere, and uh, I'll leave that up to you. So any any thoughts? Any. Um, ideas even things that were just triggered they're like that didn't necessarily weren't specifically applied to the readings but like it made me think this you know anything i think based on um i kind of had your sermon in the back of my mind as i was reading through these and um tomorrow's reading i think it's romans 8 31 through 39 but verse 38 um i'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from god's love and um so verse 38 and 39 there and that made me really associate with like the identity of okay instead of thinking who we are it's whose we are and like nothing can separate us from God's love um I was talking to my mom a little bit about that difference of you know we we always associate okay who we are here's the things we can list and Joel you talked about that on Sunday of okay here's all the things we can identify as and through and for and um, but at the end of the day, we're God's children. Um, and, and that love for his children is just, I don't know. It's so, so powerful. I think that's the coolest thing. It, it's, it's kind of a, an amazing honor. I mean, it, it's the, the, I think the grace that we get on the cross, uh, forgiveness of sin so it, and they are related but this this idea that God would kind of welcome us as as children is kind of a massive, you know, outflowing of grace. I think your mom has told me that before. This it's uh, that uh, not who we are, but whose we are. It's a great that's a great line. I love that. Anyone else? Any other any other thoughts? Um, things that stood out. They kind of gave me like really strong predestination mm -hmm. themes. Ooh, that one. We can we can go deep on that. <laughs> <laughs> Please no, I have work, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so how so? Um, I mean, I think pretty much all of them, except for like Trail said, Romans 8, 38, 30, or 31 to 39, like they were all pretty heavily like call you know like the the wording of like called to be gods like predestined mm -hmm. to be gods like i think i'm forgetting like the specific wording but like very heavy on like the you were predestined to be gods mm. it's kind of like that doctrine note so what does that mean what does predestination mean to you to me yeah i personally i think it's kind of spooky <laughs> I, I think it can be absolutely yeah, I think, I mean, it, it you know, it, it kind of is what it, the definition is, like, God, like, the elect, God's chosen, like, yeah. we, we do not, like, to believe in predestination is not to believe that we are responsible for our own faith or our salvation, but it's 100% a gift from God. 
which is a lot to think about and consider and it's very complex <laughs> yeah i think the um that whole fate versus free will thing like it, you know which one is is it is it fate or is it free will i'm tempted in the in what could be considered the tritest of ways to just answer yes <laughs> yeah exactly yeah but i think it's it's another one of those you know one of those mysteries that you know we we've discussed you know many times my favorite metaphor about you know the dog that can't understand you know uh, einstein's theory of relativity right even though it's real, you know, and it's something that we we can comprehend and wrap our head around. Um, the dog, you know, you can sit there and try to teach the dog that all day long. It's never going to comprehend Einstein's special theory of relativity because it's just not made to do that. His brain can't get it. And so we can look at that and say, there are things that are real about our universe that are limited, that, that you know, the brains are limited to comprehend. And so then you say, if that's true of the dog, why why is it not necessarily true of us? That there are things that are true of our universe, but our brain is just simply not designed to grasp it and comprehend it. And that's where I go with the predestination and the fate and free will thing is, is it's kind of like, uh, I'm going to get very extra nerdy here on the whole science thing, but years ago they did this experiment um, where, they had, where they were passing these um, electrons through these slits in a... Um, in a in a, in a thing and they were they were trying to decide you know where the electrons want to go you know which which slit will they go through and um and they and they found that they have these weird patterns on it but then, then they decided to decide what to do if we just shoot one it wasn't electrons i'm sorry they're photons but they decided to shoot one photon and see which slit it went through and when they shot it through it went through both slits <laughs> <laughs> it's like but it was also it but, split or did it no, so I, they, guess it doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter. But what they said is, um, is that it has the um, properties of both a particle and a wave. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which didn't make a lot of sense. But when, when they dug down into quantum physics and all that, it, it, all the math kind of shows that, that you know, these things have properties of both a discrete finite particle, but also like a wave too. And, and there's many experiments that have shown that those are both true. Those are both true about, you know, quantum particles, but it's incomprehensibly bizarre to us to imagine. So we do know that there, I mean, there are examples in our universe that are like that. And so I think there's a, a place to say that um, there is a sort of fate, you know, there's a plan that God has put together, but there also has to be free will or else you, you would think that a good God would not have put us in a place where we could have sinned, right? He wouldn't have designed us to sin by fate. So there must be some free will to exercise against, against it. And, yeah. and so maybe predestination and fate are more macro in a sense that, you know, there's a plan and, and God's kind of working out everything for it, but there's still within, within that uh, macro plan where the end is known, there's still room for a lot of free will kind of churning around yeah. that um, that you can't escape from the plan, but individuals within it may, might not have a chosen path on how that plan is going to come about, right? So, Yeah, I will. Um, I, I agree with you, James. I agree. That there's there's things that, that frankly are just beyond my ability to, to nail down. And I think a lot of times, we I, as scripture does this as well but we we do analogies or you know things to try to make sense of it and then and then we apply those analogies broader and then it's like whoa that worked here so but now it gives me this kind of moral dilemma over here because i keep applying the same analogy out further um i'll just say the way i think about at least this part of predestination is um it's really tied into the the children of God thing is is that my kids are predestined to be my kids before they are born. They are predestined to be my kids. That doesn't mean they can't leave me, but they are predestined to be my children. All right. And go ahead. And yeah, so it's so it's um, 
I, one of the pro or one of the reasons, one of the reasons I think I struggle with predestination is because I look at it from the perspective of an individual as opposed to a history of humankind. So when, when God's speaking of humanity, he's not speaking of me. He's speaking of billions of people that will all that, that, you know, from in the, in the broad spectrum of time. And it's like, yeah, but what about me? And he's like, well, okay, I can't, I didn't really write that or inspire that verse specifically for Joel Price in 2022, um, but it still applies to you. And so I, I guess I look at it in terms of all those predestination verses, I mean, to a degree are, are general principles and they are true of me, but they might not be um they might not be uh, intended to be as finite as we take them to be and so it's like yeah we are we are called and we are predestined and everyone is um but that doesn't necessarily like like you're saying james it doesn't necessarily eliminate my ability uh to go my own way and it just, I think what it gets back to, and it gets back to maybe this conversation, is that the the initial, um, the baseline relationship is one of unity. That we've broken that, and our individual perspective is baseline is one of a broken relationship. But the if you go to like the the parable uh, of the sorry the prodigal son. The baseline, the the baseline relationship is father son, not of prodigal. We we step in and prodigal and go and and we're focused on the return, and God's like, no, no, <laughs> I I'm before that, I'm I'm starting from the beginning, and you're all predestined. Now you may you may not all get there though, because you I do allow you to go your own way. Now that that might be just like mental gymnastics for myself, but that's that's a little bit how I think of it. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I think Laurel though did pick up, you know, absolutely on a theme that I saw too, which is all those verses in there are really riddled with, you know, you you've been chosen to do this, you know, the the, the verses of Jeremiah being called. And before I before you were born and or formed in the womb, I knew you, you know, and I had a purpose for you. And and uh, you know, the other passages, I think the one in Corinthians has a very similar theme, you know, predestined to be this. So the, I think we can't deny entirely that there's some element of, of God's planning out how all this is going to happen. Um, but for every one of those, there's verses elsewhere that talk about, you know, free, free choices that people make that, you know, that um, lead them yeah. in sin or lead them to God and, uh, and so forth. So um, it's just one of those difficult things to to master so let me ask ask you this is there there was some of this i wanted to get to on sunday but i also this is only the second time that i've spoken at church and the first time i went almost 50 minutes so i was really focused on making sure i got done and didn't uh and didn't go down any rabbit holes um at least i tried to the where one of the way one of the places i wanted to go is kind of this conflict which is what distracts me from or pulls me from that but but i guess more importantly for me is what does it look like to live in that identity i guess like what is if i did it i'm not saying that i do that i grasp that identity well or fully but if I did, what would that? What would my life actually look like? What would your life look like? So either either one of those. I mean, there's a distraction factor that I know the Haggai ones were about, like what distracts me from this. But there's also okay. But what would it, what would or should it look like? I was thinking about the, that this week and struck me as like it's a daily reminder. Mm -hmm. It's a daily commitment. It's not something that I can wake up on Sunday and be like, okay, I am set now for the rest of my life. I have this perfect view of my identity. I'm living in this way. And I mean, it really is a commitment every day to remind myself, okay, you know, yes, I 
the job I have does influence me in my worldly perspective, you know, but you take away a job and I have to remember, okay, no, no, I am still God's child. Like my identity is in, I am his. And so I, I think that part of it is just the, the mental step of, of having it be so ingrained in you, or like, even when there's a, there's a, a something that affects that still being anchored in that truth of, okay, well, I have, I have that. And I, I daily choose to, to walk under this, um, under that, that viewpoint. And I don't, I think what's hard is with that question of, okay, well, what would my life look like if that wasn't something that I had a daily remind myself or daily, you know, try and strive in. And I, that's something that I don't know. That's not something that I've been hundred percent successful in, um, not even 50% successful. And it's just something that I think, um, I don't want to speak for everybody. That, that's something that, um, I have in my life had to, it is the, the fight of, okay, no, 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 I am his child. And I will remember that. Um, I wish I knew what it was like, because I feel like it'd be really great, you know, like what, what could really affect. And I guess I forget which verse it was, but, um, it was, sorry, I'm kind of randomly now, but it was um, nothing can separate us from God's love. It was um, nothing can stand against us, you know, in that yeah. identity. He is for us, not against us. Um, and I mean, that's so empowering, right? I mean, we have God on our side, but I think part of it is just remembering that and being strengthened in that. I'm just writing that down. Um, I was going to ask. Yeah. About the identity thing that is interesting to me is, um, you know, like you like you alluded to, you know, we've we've turned identity into such a, a cultural like icon, almost made an idol out of identity. And but it's weird to me because identity is such an amorphous concept in so many ways because there's there's first of all, none of us have a single identity, right? We we have many identities just depending on kind of the circumstances that we're in, you know, and some of those identities are kind of defined by things we do, like maybe where we work. And some of them are, are identified are, are come by immutable facts of reality. Like I'm my mother's son, right? That's not going to change no matter what. I, I can't make that different. I I'm an American citizen. Well, that's not going to, change or could it change right i can i mean i was born in america that makes me an american citizen but i could renounce my citizenship so there's there's all these different facets to identity and there's a lot of bifurcations you know that come along like depending on the circumstances and what you're trying to do you you might you might elevate some parts of your each person's identity and and, and decrease the others but one verse I thought that was going to be in the readings and it wasn't, and I don't quite remember where it is, but it's, I think it's in uh, Galatians maybe, but it says along the lines, there's no longer um, Greek nor Jew, male or female, but all are in Christ. And that to me is interesting because that's the absolute 180 degree opposite of the other way we do identity, which is splitting ourselves out into all these splintered different yeah. things versus God saying all of it merges, all of those splinters actually merge together in, in Christ. And, and not that there aren't, not that that means we don't have real differences. We do. It's not saying that there aren't males and females in slaves and slaves. But what it's saying is all of those identities are encapsulated by who Christ is and, and all of those differences vanish when you're, when you're in Christ. And the only one that really matters is to identify with Christ as, as a member of Christ's body. Uh, that's the only one that hold, holds up, you know, and all the rest of them really don't matter anymore. So I just find that kind of fascinating how um, God's view of identity is so much different than the way we, we as people do it right i mean e even without the politics of the day it's always been that way right you, how you introduce yourself and, and where you are in society and and who your father and mother were you know or where you live what nationality all of those things 
you know, are, are naturally things that you would use to describe yourself. Um, um, and just picking one over the other, depending on what makes sense at the time. But um, that identity in Christ is, is one with all other people who are in Christ, regardless of all those other things. So I'll vanish. So. Yeah, I, 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 I was really um, making me think a little bit that you, that's a really interesting point because we do, I was going to get into this a little bit with the driver's license thing. What we do with identity is identify the differences. We don't identify the similarities. Like someone's identity is, is never the like, how am I like someone else? My identity is always, how am I different? I am short, I am tall, I've got blue eyes, I've got brown eyes, I've got, I've got pale skin, I've got dark skin, I've got whatever. It is, it is and, and this, this may be more of a Western culture thing, it might be an American thing, I don't, I don't know, but this, this identity of individualism um, or separation, you know, um, is so counter to how God does it. I mean, even even the Trinity, God's concept of identity is always unity. It's always together. It's all, it is it is love. It is it is cooperation. It's it's grace. It's not okay. Well, you're this, and even the even the you know the the body of Christ. The verses that you know not every not a the whatever head can't be the hand or, or or what have you it's still the idea is is what unifies us it's not what separates us and I mean, that's a great verse in that in in that i think that's actually exactly what's behind sin frankly it's what breaks the relationship is this desire to be individual I mean, I'm a pretty individual person, so I'm. I, it's that's a hard one for me to 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 go against. But I, I mean, God clearly is not. He is not concerned with how we should be on our own. He wants us to be dependent and unified. Maybe that's where the predestination thing comes in too. I don't know. It makes me think of like when you're young or like when you grow up in like a Christian setting, there's a lot, or maybe it's a very specific niche Christian setting, but there's a lot of like, oh, how do you identify in the world? You're a Christian. You need to say that first. That's what you need to be strongest on, most proudest of. People are going to fight you on that. But like I went to all Christian schools, like I was always in Christian right. environments and it was never like first day of school. Hi, I'm Laurel. I'm a Christian like you. It was like, hey, I'm, Laurel, I'm on student council. Let me know if I can help you find something. Like at church, people are like, oh, who are you? And it's like, it's not, oh, I'm Laurel, I'm a Christian. It's I'm Laurel, we live next door to the Wilborns. That's how we found One Hope. Oh, you yeah. don't see me because I do house church. Oh, funny story on my denominational background. You know, we don't just like outright say, hi, I'm a Christian. Like we use all sorts of other qualifiers or like back, like loopholes. Like we're just, even within Christianity, we're very settled into the like, I'm Mormon, I'm Catholic, I'm Lutheran, I'm non-denom, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what it really should be. I'm, I'm, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, I think like I was saying before, it, those other things matter. They, they you know, um, listen, we have, we have two males and two females on, on this, on this podcast today. It's not that those differences don't matter or that they're not significant. It's it, it's that when they become the 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 piece that supersedes the thing that holds us together, kind of what you're saying, we're Christians, we're believers. It's not about age or or you know gender or all kinds of things that we could we could probably make lists of how each of the four of us are different. But it's it's where our where is the unity? The unity is in Christ. The unity is in salvation. The unity is in grace. And I think that's the um I, I hadn't landed on this when I was going through Zechariah, but that's that is the piece that God keeps coming back to call call them back to is 
Yeah, but how are you together? Not how are you apart, but how are you together? That's really powerful. And I think it, it kind of goes back to that those those differences in our that we see in our identities do have their place and in their and their role in, in certain contexts. But I guess um, you know it, it matters whether you know you're an engineer or not, and you want to do an engineering job. But those those all those identities kind of pale in comparison to the identity of of being in Christ, which is universal all the time and important in every circumstance and fundamental to everything else. All the other ones have point design purposes to them, but that one is universal to everything about who we are. You know, that's the one that, that should, should pervade over everything else. So what, so what is the job of, of, of us? Right, the thing that pervades, and I'd say children of God, but let's use the let's use the phrase "people of God" or "God's people" as opposed to children. I don't I don't want to necessarily go down the just the specific kind of father child relationship, but but um, what is the purpose of of God's people? Like, why have a people? I mean, the Westminster Catechism says our chief goal is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Wouldn't that be true of of everybody, though? I mean, I think God does a lot of work through people who are not believers that in the end glorifies him. Like my music teacher growing up had a saying, excellence honors God and inspires others. Even if someone is Even if they don't in, in, intend it, right? Yeah, their excellence still puts honor to God. But I think if you've decided and taken that mission upon yourself to glorify God and enjoy him forever, you're probably going to be religious. Let's go back to Israel, though. Israel, different situation, but Israel truly was a set-apart people. And I know I just made this point about unity, but <laughs> but they were a set-apart people. They were saying, all right, you are my people. They are not. Um, why have a people? What's the purpose? What do, what do the people do? I mean, my gut is to say witness and evangelize, but if you're going off of the predestination thing, then like, depending on your doctrinal background, you might not believe evangelism is even worth anything because decision isn't on us. Unless your job is um unless you view evangelism as actually like heading out to bring the, the son back as opposed to going and trying to find a new a stranger to adopt or unless the the evangelism is is part of what's predestined to happen in order for the person to be saved <laughs> yeah ending, but... this is like this is like the like christianity via doctor who <laughs> it's really it's it's interesting and, and timely because i've been listening to this podcast on tolkien and lord of the rings and these themes about fate versus um free will are yeah, tolkien really put a lot into all of that about how there's both factors at work constantly in, in the lord of the rings story where you know like you know the, the characters have to choose to do certain things um, even though they might be, it might be someone's quote fate or destiny. Frodo's it's it's tasked to Frodo to take the ring to Mount Doom, but he still has to choose to do it, and he does. So there's, you know, there's there's like a plan to carry things out, but there's still that plan depends upon those free will choices taking place. And I think where we get wrapped around the axle a little bit is is confusing the idea that um, that God is necessarily like programming every step of the plan along the way, tweaking everybody to do what he wants to get his plan accomplished versus a, a different and I think kind of bigger picture of God as some a being that can see getting an end of everything and not just one beginning and end, but an infinite number of possible beginnings and endings 
And the predestination might be the choice of, of the best path through all of those infinite things. But that path was still determined by the free will choices of everybody who made it. Because when you're at the end of it and you can see beginning to end, you can see all the choices and you know them all. And so in a sense, by picking that, you've sort of predestined that to be what happens. But it didn't come into being <clears throat> as much as it came into being because that was a path God picked out of all the possible plans that could have been put forth. Mm -hmm. This is the one. This is the universe that he did it in and is the real, is the reality, because it is the one that gets to the place he wants it to be in the best manner, if you will. It reminds me of one of my one of my favorite theologians, maybe not favorite theologians, but but intriguing theologian, Forrest Gump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He uh I, I think I missed it when I when I watched that movie the first time, but the movie actually is all about this question. This, um, it, you know, it starts with kind of the floating um, yeah. uh, feather, and he got the you know the famous line, "Life is like a box of chocolates; you never know what you're going to get." And in the meantime, you have this this um, story of of a guy that has an oddly coincidental life meeting all these people things just are all these things just happen but he tends to choose differently and there's a scene at the end of it where um he he's actually i think he's speaking to spoiler alert like the grave of i think it's jenny's grave maybe but um but he 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 just calls it out there he just says you know, I don't know. I don't know which one it is. I don't know if it's that we float through life and just, and life just happens to us or we make our own way. And then he goes, I think it's both. And then it ends with the with the, the feather floating again. And it's like um, and, and when you when you view that movie um, with that lens, it starts to become really clear what that movie's about. That movie is, is absolutely about this question. And this idea that it's both at the same time it's neither it's not an either or it's a it's an and and i don't know like i said he's forrest gump and theologian i'm not sure how much you can take with that but i do tend to think that think that way i do tend to think that there is a structure and that there is a predestination and then there that there is um you know an omnipotent god that's in control of, of all these things and there's free will and we we do choose our own way and he allows us the freedom to you know let's say go off script so to speak while knowing that we will if we let me let me come back to the 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 people of god thing real quick though if as people of god if if we can identify as people of god if we can identify uh, on what unites us kind of like in the body of Christ, even knowing that we do have multiple things that are, that separate us or, 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 you know, we bring different things to the table. We bring different uh, personality traits, experiences, et cetera, that, is, that are also part of identity, our identity. I think that's what it starts to look like when we say, what does it look like to live in that identity? It's, it's like being, you know, a stranger in a strange land. It's like for Americans moving to iran and even though i'm doing different things what's what holds us together is that we're americans before i'm a carpenter in iran or a or an engineer or, or what have you and while i have similarities with uh the iranian uh engineers that i'm working with i'm an american first because everything i do they're going to witness it as an American did that. They'll never see me as an as an engineer first. They will see me as an American engineer. Does that does that make sense? And I think in I think in in many ways that's that's the power of this identity or or the calling of the, of this identity. That if it doesn't come first, you either have to deny that identity so people don't know it. Or if they find out, everything you do will be through that filter. 
and you'll be misrepresenting, which is kind of why God said Babylon carry him away. It was like they're not representing me well. I don't know. That was all like stream of consciousness. So that none of that was planned. I have no idea if that falls. <laughs> Very James Joyce of you. Yeah. I think it makes sense. It it makes me think a lot of like how I interact with like my friends at work. Because like I don't work in like a, a overwhelmingly Christian store or whatever. And even though I interact with them the same way I interact with like my Christian friends, it makes me wonder like what do you see? Do you see something different? Do I act differently? Like, do I seem set apart? Do I communicate with you? Do I treat you with like the kind of respect that comes across differently? And then it's like spooky to try and consider that. Like, do I need to concentrate more on my efforts of like how I interact with my non-Christian friends? Or do I need to step back and evaluate my Christian attitude in general? Mm. Like it's a hard, I mean, it's kind of a blessing and a curse if you know, people are seeing you first through that, that, oh, you're a Christian because in the blessing way, I mean, what a great opportunity to, to witness, you know, what all the good things you do, you can attribute to, well, I'm doing this because of God's love. I'm doing this because of this. And if they, if they saw you through that lens, that's awesome. But I feel like, unfortunately, more of the reality of the situation is the one time that you mess up. <laughs> that's yeah. when they catch it. I'm like, okay, well, you're a Christian. You did that. And then, you know, you're misrepresenting <laughs> Christ and that becomes the face of how they see you or, or they say, oh, they messed up. So it's okay to do that because they're a Christian. And, um, and so in that way, it's, I mean, there's just the duality of, of the situation and of that lens that people see you through. Right. It's the, it's the fish on your car dilemma. <laughs> Do you put the fish on the back of your car? Because then I better be a good driver. <laughs> I couldn't do it on the back of my BMW. That would just be terrible. <laughs> yeah. What I was thinking, what this is making me think of is, I remember a, a line once from, um, if you guys know who Tim Hawkins is, I think you guys all fight. Yeah. And he was talking about how people call him a Christian comedian. And his response was, is, he thought thinks of himself as a Christian who also happens to be a comedian, mm -hmm. which I thought was very interesting where it's like taking the Christian away from being an adjective that describes something else and saying, this is what I am first. And then I also happen to be this too. Um, but you know, how I am in that first role will affect what I'm going to be in that second role, right? There's lots of comedians that aren't Christians and the way they do their comedy is dramatically different than the way Tim Hawkins does his comedy. Um, but his, com his, his role as a comedian is, is subservient to him being a Christian and, and secondary to it. It's his Christianity that, that right. becomes the filter through which he also fills that role. And I think if we look at, look at it that way, that we are Christians who also happen to be uh, students in school or who happen to be um, members of a, you know, a sports team or yeah. have this job or Christians who, who have children or whatever we are, that that, that Christian first, that, that, that identity in Christ first, which encompasses all identities, um, but in, in, in God's will um, is what now should, would, should affect all the other identities that we carry with us through, throughout life uh, and how that we, how we carry it out. So um, it's kind of like you, you talked about like, why, why a people and which implies like more than one, right? If we're all yeah. one in Christ, then why are, why do we need a whole nation of different people? And just, why don't just have one person that, that is, you know, cause, cause we're all the same. And I guess my answer would be like, it's like, you know, when you take a painting, it's all one painting, but it's made up of tons and tons and tons of individual bits of color mm -hmm. that are all different from one another, you know? And so the painting is still a unified thing, but it, it's, and you could make a painting that was all the same color, but it wouldn't be anything as interesting as a painting that, that is, is multicolored and, and is actually a, a picture of something, right? So 
I think that's that we're a people because it's just more beautiful to God to do it that way, you know, to to have a wide ranging picture of humanity that's all still deriving who they are from being people of God. I mean, is that that's just an awesome picture because what 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 came to me as you're saying that is is how much we go to one extreme or another on that that idea that that we identify the 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 unity you know piece of it and it's like all right you know what i'm going to do i'm going to make an all blue painting with no texture or brush strokes now okay there might be an audience for that but it's pretty boring no i'm i'm going to no what is really makes art beautiful is all the diversity all the colors and the brush strokes and stuff well and so you just do this like chaotic random and again there's an audience for that but frankly it's it's not me um what the the art that i think is really beautiful is ordered diversity <laughs> it is it is colors and and textures and i mean it's it's classical music it is it is massive complexity in order you know with a with a structure of order that that brings beauty out of it and i mean i think there's that's a great picture of god's people it's a great picture of the of the of the body is yeah your individuality matters as a dis, as an adjective to your noun your noun is you're a christian or you're a child of god the everything else is an adjective but it's the adjectives that make it beautiful. Yeah. 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 I think the symphony thing is a really cool way because there's two things about it. One is, um, I mean, you can make a tune on any one instrument and it can even be a pretty tune, but you can't have a symphony without 60 or 70 different instruments all making mm. tunes. And if they don't play in some sort of ordered connected fashion you just have noise <laughs> but but and we don't want noise but when it's played in some unity to some plan and it's done right then it's beautiful and so i think god's plan is done the way it is to be beautiful to him right yeah he's the one that made it and and we are the work of his hand so we're here to be, be we're here to be part of that beautiful creation that he made for his own joy really and we're privileged to be part of it and privileged to be pieces in it but it is that's what i think is like you know we are you know like i think laurel was saying at the beginning you know we're, we're here for the glory of god mm -hmm. and that's it that that's that's the only thing that in the end really has any eternal matter to it uh is here for the glory of god well and how neat is that because and, and laurel you um you you said it was it a music teacher you said at the beginning yeah yeah what if that's it that's it we're actually we're actually people of god so we can be a symphony in the world that's it we're just supposed to be part of a beautiful worshipful expression and the only way that happens is to play your part under the plan of the conductor. Yeah. There's a there's an analogy for you. That's a good analogy. I might have to hold on to that one for a while. I like that a lot. Analogy, um, we're like an analogy and metaphor factory here today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when I don't have any notes. I don't have any. <laughs> um, okay, the uh, before we wrap this up um what's the where does where does the confusion come from and maybe we've already talked about this so it, it might not go anywhere but where does it where how do we get this this thing mixed up i I, mean, I know i do i get myself mixed up in this but what causes you confusion in the identity purpose value discussion let me lean on on James a little bit on this one. I, I watched your your guys' podcast on on YouTube, 
And for me, it was the distraction of the, of the world when you were, so, so I'm watching that. I think, I think I watched that on Saturday. I might, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched it on Saturday and it's right before, you know, I'm going to do this sermon and I'm thinking, yeah, this is, this is me. Now I'm thinking of it in terms of identity because that's what I was, you know, where my head was. What ends up happening is I, I wrestle with God and I go, you know what God, what, what God's asking and the part God's asked me to play is as father and as husband or what have you. And then that descriptor, that, that adjective becomes the thing that I put all my, my eggs in that, in that basket. And it's, they're not bad things. They're not, it's not bad to be, you know, an engineer or a father or a husband or whatever, wherever God's called me. But pretty soon it like flips on its ear and that becomes the noun that becomes the thing that I am. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure how it happens, but it happens on a, some kind of regular interval. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would, I would definitely say distraction of, of everything in the world that, you know, that, that is out there that, um, that, that is there for us to contend with and the world certainly plays a major role in that because we'll, we'll put on the identity that's most likely to either advance our happiness or minimize our pain <laughs> in the, in the environment are. we're in at any given time. And, um, and so that's, that's probably, and I'm not even saying that that's wrong, but I do think that it does tend to um, it lend confusion as to what's important. Um, but I also think there's just an innate um, dislike that we as humans have with the idea of that, we, that we're not individuals or that we don't have an the, the, the freedom to be individuals. And, and I think that that comes because we don't want other people to lord over us right we, we're american right and we have individual liberty and, and the right to steer our course and pursuit happiness and all of that right and that's our right and god gave it to us and and i believe in that but it's different when it's god versus like just other people trying to direct me down a path and taking my liberty away but when it's god who's called me to be say part of his symphony uh, I might be vested with the ability to play it poorly or badly or play the wrong notes, but I'm only contributing to the beauty of it and honestly only going to be happiest when I actually am following what the notes are and doing it right, right? And, and one way or another, the symphony carries on, whether it sounds beautiful and great or not, it, with, with my contribution, the symphony still goes forward. And so my role in, in doing it is kind of, I think properly should be shaped by, by our thinking there that, that yeah, we have the individual freedom not to go along with what God's plan and call for us is. Um, and, and we won't even necessarily be condemned eternally for that because Christ gives full forgiveness. But the beauty of, of the symphony, the beauty of, of the life that, and the plan that God has put forth is diminished when we are not. It doesn't mean it fails to occur, but the beauty of it is diminished. So that's how yeah. So we yeah, have to remember, I, don't I, lose yeah. our own desire to be free of the domination from other fellow human beings, which nobody feels good about. And being under God as our creator, who's kind of in a different role than, you know, the president or a king or or, or what or, or a bully or, or any of those other roles right other humans play so i won't i won't ask you guys to say this but as we wrap it up it, it i almost asked this but um i think my my challenge to you would be because i'm going to challenge myself this way is if i know the call to unity I know that God um, wants me to remember and identify as a child of God, that I am God's son, that I'm an heir, but he also wants that fearfully and wonderfully made. He also, you know, knit me together in my mother's womb. 
and he on an individual basis so kind of in the tim hawkins vein if the noun is christian or child of god what are your god-given adjectives they change you know throughout your life but that i think that would be my challenge would be to uh if, if they don't come to you right away that i i think i'm gonna i'm gonna pray on it a little bit and and think like all right god not me but what did you actually make me to be in this season of life right now what what notes am i supposed to be playing what instrument am i maybe focusing ourselves on and a christian and uh and then fill in the blank with what seems to be needed at the time but always remember that i'm a christian and then this and yes christian should be should be the, the guiding identity to whatever the second one fill in the blank is at any given moment mm. i'm a christian and a father i'm a christian and a manager I'm a christian and a dog soother <laughs> It's trying to be, you know, at any given time. So, um, the second identity, whatever it is at any given moment, is is shaped by and filtered on what it does from the first. Yeah. Dear Lord God, thanks again for Triel and Laurel and James. Thank you that, God, you just balance the... Uh, the unity of your creation with the individuality and diversity of your creation that you are the master composer you are the master artist you are the creator lord and i thank you for the way you made each of us each of us on this podcast each, each of the people in my family and the people that i know but really everyone in the world lord that you have a unique creation in each person and at the same time a unified creation made in your image thank you so much lord in jesus name i pray amen, amen.